Amen. What a beautiful, beautiful hymn with beautiful truth. Well, this morning we are going to continue our sermon series uh, through the book of Proverbs using the seven deadly sins. I want to remind you that uh, expositors over the years have struggled with how to preach Proverbs chapter 10 through 29 because they're all just these random Proverbs that are great to memorize but very difficult to preach through in a thematic way. And so we prayed about it uh, last year about what to do with chapters 10 through 29 and uh, I felt the Lord leading me and guiding me to use the seven deadly sins uh, as our guide through chapters 10 through 29. And so this morning... Uh, you have, I believe there are four or five verses that are printed in your bulletin this morning. You'll be happy to know that today is the seventh deadly sin. But only a preacher can stretch the, sed- the seven deadly sins into eight weeks next week. You'll learn more about that next week and the reason for that. It isn't just because I can't add. There's a theological reason for it. Uh, but if you will, please stand out of reverence for the reading of God's Word. And take a look at the Proverbs that are printed in your bulletin this morning as we begin This morning, Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13 reads, The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance in the way of evil, and perverted speech I hate. Proverbs 11, 2 reads, When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. Then Proverbs chapter 16, verses 5 and 18. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And then on the next page, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 23. One's pride will bring him low, but... He who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in this house of worship this day, be magnified and be glorified. Father, in my heart, in our hearts today, be magnified and glorified. In our thoughts in our speech, even in the reading and the preaching of your word today, be magnified, be glorified, and shave our pride and the stubble of stubbornness against you, we pray. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. Solve this riddle for me. I make everyone sick except the one that carries me. What am I? Solve this riddle. I make everyone sick except the one that carries me. What am I? Any guesses? You won't be Pentecostal if you shout something out this time. It, well, opposite. Pride. Pride. Pride makes everyone sick except the one who carries it. Now, yesterday, I was very proudful, very prideful about this riddle that I had, that I had written. 
And so one of my friends and mentors called me yesterday. He always calls me on Saturday to let me know that he loves me and he's, he's praying for me. And so even if you don't love me or like me after the, the sermon on Sunday, he's going to call me back on Sunday and tell me he loves me and likes me. That's his way. And he does it. And so I was very proud of this riddle I had written. And so I, I said to him, hey, I've got a riddle I want you to solve. And I said, so I make everyone sick except the one who carries me. What am I? And he goes, oh, you're typhoid Mary. I said, what? I said, no, pride. He goes, no, typhoid Mary. He said, you remember Mary Mallon? I was like, I've never heard of her. And uh, he said, oh, well, this was a, a, a lady that, that carried typhoid fever, and she was asymptomatic, and she infected 53 people. In fact, there were three fatalities. She was an Irish-born cook, and she became known as Typhoid Mary. In fact, she was quarantined twice in her life. And in fact, the last time she was quarantined, she was quarantined for 23 years before she died. I was humbled in my riddle about pride. <laughs> Isn't that ironic? Never make friends with an individual that grew up enjoying uh, reading encyclopedias in his spare time. But isn't it ironic that preaching a sermon on pride, thinking of an introduction to a sermon on pride, God can humble us. Thomas Watson is a wonderful Puritan who is a master of word pictures who said this, Man is naturally a proud piece of flesh, and this sin of pride runs in our blood. Isn't that a picture worth remembering? We've talked about the seven deadly sins, and most theologians, most biblical scholars agreed that this deadly sin, the sin of pride, is the sin behind all of the other deadly sins. In fact, this sin of pride is the sin behind all sins. St. Augustine himself said this, that pride is the essence of sin. Pride is the very essence of sin. In fact, if you go back to the dawn of time, it was Satan in his pride that wanted to be exalted above God. That was the essence of sin exemplified in Satan. We see it in Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, that Adam wanted to be like God. He wanted to be able to see things and understand things like God. And that desire to aspire to deity, that pride, was the root of the fall. And thus, as a ripple effect, the scriptures say now in Romans chapter 3, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's no one who seeks God on his own. There's no one who desires God. So in all of us this morning... Whether you like it or not, the sin of pride runs through our bloodstream. And you know, in order to be saved, you have to be humbled. Because you have to be convinced that you're not nearly as great of a person as you think you are. So how are we going to exposit this These Proverbs today. Well, I want us to unpack these Proverbs today about death by pride by taking a look at three warnings that God gives us about pride in these passages of Scripture today. There are three warnings I want us to take a look at lest we die from pride. And the first warning that we see in these Proverbs is that God hates pride. In fact, God hates your pride. God hates my pride. Where do we see that? We see that in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. Look at what it says. 
The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. I'm convinced that pride and arrogance and the way of evil are synonymous in this proverb. That they, that they highlight the same path that is the path of rebellion and the path of disobedience. And so pride and arrogance in the way of evil, God says what? He hates it. He hates it. Men in their pride try to rise up and make themselves look better than what they are. Josh Kitchen says this in his commentary in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. We rise up our self-will. We try to promote ourselves. We try to congratulate ourselves rather than bowing before God's majesty. What does the, the scriptures want to tell us today about pride? It wants to warn us. What's the first warning it wants to give us? That God hates pride. He despises it. In fact, he says in chapter 16, verse 5, that everyone who is arrogant in his heart is an abomination to the Lord. Remind yourself that abomination is a very, very bad thing. How does God view prideful people? They're an abomination to him. The Proverbs are consistent in the way that they condemn pride in our hearts. And so it says in this passage that God utterly reviles those who think more highly of themselves than they should. God hates pride. This week I was reading a story about four men that were in an airplane. There was a pilot, there was a computer genius, there was a reverend and a boy scout. The pilot came out of the cockpit and he informed the rest of those on the plane, those three others, that he had bad news. That the plane was going to crash and there was nothing he could do to save the plane. And he says, I have worse news. There are four of us and there are only three parachutes. And the pilot looked at the rest of the the people there and he said, normally I would go down with the plane. He said, normally the pilot should go down with the plane and let you all uh, Uh, jump out of the airplane with parachutes to safety. He said, but here's the deal. I have a wife and three beautiful kids, and their livelihood depends upon me. So he put on one of the, the pilot put on one of the parachutes, jumped out of the airplane. So there were three of them left with two more parachutes. And the computer genius looked at the other two men. He said, well, here's the deal. I'm the smartest man on the face of the earth. I have discoveries that I have uh, just made that the world needs to know. I have made inventions that will make this world a better place. And so this world needs me. And so the smartest man puts on a parachute and jumps out of the plane. There are two of them left, the Reverend and the Boy Scout. There's only one parachute. The Reverend, with sadness in his eyes, looked at the Boy Scout and he said, Young man, I've lived a long life. I'm ready to meet my Maker and my Redeemer. And so you may have this last parachute and you may jump to safety and live. But I want you to commit to live the rest of your days for your creator, for your maker, and to give your life to him. The Boy Scout smiled at the Reverend and said, Reverend, I think we're both going to be okay. Because the smartest man of the world just grabbed my backpack instead of a parachute. (laughs) (laughs) Now why does that make us laugh? It makes us laugh because we like the surprise of the story. But I think there's a deeper theological reason for why that makes us laugh. Because deep down in all of us, we hate pride. We hate seeing pride in other people. 
Why is that? Because we know pride goes against the very character of God. More importantly, pride goes against the very character of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 2 says that all God the Son uh, was equal with God the Father. He did not count equality with God, something to be crass, but he emptied himself and took the form of a servant, and he was obedient even to death on a cross. The reason why we hate pride and we laugh at that story is because Pride is against the very character of our creator and our redeemer. Isaiah chapter 14 highlights the heart of the king of Babylon. And I believe that it highlights the very heart of Satan himself when it says, How you are fallen from heaven. You said in your heart, I will send to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will send above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. That was the heart of the king of Babylon that fell and fell hard. I believe that was the heart of Satan himself. And thus, we see why God hates pride. Because pride exemplifies the heart of Satan. And it's totally contrary to the heart of God, to the heart of our Savior. James 4, 6 says this, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. See, the gospel is the good news, but before you can understand the good news, you've got to accept the bad news, that you, you're not all that you think you are. I'm not all that I think I am. And so if we're going to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, we're going to live a life for Christ, we've got to be humbled. Really every day. To receive his grace, to receive his mercy, to receive his forgiveness, we have to humble ourselves. And admit we're sinners in the sight of God. So friends, my encouragement to you today is to humble yourself before Judgment Day so that on that day God will not have to humble you. Which brings us to the second warning we see in these Proverbs today, which is this, that God will humble you. Not only does God hate pride, but God will humble the prideful. Look at Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2. It says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. Uh, God will humble you is essentially what this proverb is saying. Uh, we've all heard the saying, pride comes before a fall. That's essentially what this proverb, chapter 11, verse 2, is saying. Is that when pride comes, then comes disgrace. God will humble you. Whenever we inflate our egos thinking that we're far greater than we are or we like to brag about our accomplishments, eventually God will deflate our egos, rest assured. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. Why? Because God will humble you. Pride will come before the fall. But there's another aspect to the fact, the reason why God will humble you is because God's kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. We see that in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 23. 
What's amazing about God's kingdom is it's upside down. The way that you get high and lifted up in God's kingdom is not the way that you get high and lifted up in the kingdom of this world. It's not by pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. It's not by your great accomplishments, but it's rather by your repentance, your humility, and your service to the King of kings, the Lord of lords, which is Jesus Christ himself. So look at Proverbs chapter 29, verse 23. It says, One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. Remember we talked last summer about how the Proverbs are structured, that they're structured in terms of parallelisms, that usually the first line communicates a truth, and then this, the second line will do one of two things. It will either take that first truth and take it a little bit of a step forward. We see that uh, in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 5. It says, everyone who is arrogant in his heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. It carries that first thought forward. But another way that the parallelism can work is it can be a contrasting parallelism. The way you usually detect a contrasting parallelism is easy because there's usually a word but there. And that's what we have in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 23. It says, one's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. What is God's word communicating? A contrasting parallelism that shows us that God's kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. As Jesus says several times in the Gospels, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. But whoever humbles himself will be exalted. That's the second warning that we see in these Proverbs is that God will humble you. This week I was looking at some articles about the ultimate fighting championship that occurred last week between Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. I'm interested by the ultimate fighting championship, but I'm glad I didn't watch that fight because I have a wheezy stomach. Um, And if you read anything about that fight last week, what happened is that Conor McGregor's leg broke in the middle of the first round and so his his leg functioned almost like his elbow and just buckled underneath him if you watched any of the footage as he was lying on the mat uh, with the leg broken he continued to yell uh, obscenities at his opponent that beat him Dustin Poirier but I watched an interview with Another fighter that had recently beat Conor McGregor by the name of Khabib, who's a Russian who's retired now. And I was convicted by what Khabib said. He said in his Russian broken English about Conor McGregor that everything from God. He does not realize that. Every blessing, every gift from God. And he said this, God always going to make you humble. He say he's so strong. Don't understand why leg break. God always going to make you humble. From a broken Russian speaking, from a Russian speaking broken English is a biblical truth because all truth is God's truth. And that's exactly what these Proverbs are saying is that God will humble you.
Every one of us in this sanctuary this morning have been humbled at some point in our lives, haven't we? Where did God humble you? How did God humble you? Was it in your health? You thought you were invincible and then you got sick? Was it in your job? You thought they just couldn't make it without you. And unfortunately, you found that you were replaceable. Or maybe it was in your, your family. You thought, oh, my kids would never do that. And they have. And they do. Maybe it's even in your faith. You thought, my faith could never be shaken. It can never be rocked. But it was. Maybe it is. We've all been humbled by God. Where have you been humbled? How has God humbled you recently? The reality is we want to humble ourselves before God every single day. We want God to shave our pride. I was reading this week in John Calvin's Institutes of the Christian Religion. He said this. The men are never duly touched by their, and convicted of their insignificance until they contrast themselves with the majesty of God. If you think about it this way, this is really what you want to happen in your quiet time every day or every night. You want to read God's word and ask yourself two questions. What does this passage teach me about God? And what does this passage teach me about myself? And compare and contrast the difference. When you read God's word, you're going to learn what? That God is infinite in his power. God's infinite in his knowledge. God is infinite in his goodness. And what are we? We're finite. Finite in my knowledge. There's some things I just don't know. I'm finite in my power about things that I can fix. And I'm finite in my goodness because many times even the good things that I do are contaminated by selfishness. And why is that a good thing to be able to contrast myself with God? Because it humbles me. Take a look at God, the fact that he's eternal. He has no beginning. He has no end. He is the great I am. And what's true about Tanner is what's true about you, that there will be a birth date, there will be a death date, unless Christ returns. And so the contrast between the two of us humbles me. As I think about God's holiness and contemplate the holiness and the majesty of God, that the cherubim and the seraphim do not even dare to gaze upon his holiness, lest they be turned to salt themselves. I take a look at myself, what do I see? The fact that I'm contaminated by sin. And that's a good thing that I contrast myself, my sinfulness with God's holiness. Why? Because it humbles me. And hopefully drives me to repentance.
Why is that significant? Because if we don't repent now, then God will judge you for your pride. And that brings us to the final warning this Proverbs, these Proverbs give us about pride, is that God will judge you. God will judge your pride. God will judge my pride. Where do we see that? We see that in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 5. It says this, Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. In other words, no one's going to be exempt on judgment day. But look at more what it says there in chapter 16, verse 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. This is one of those uh, synonymous or progressive parallelisms. It takes the first thought and carries it forward a little bit further. It says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And I don't want you to miss uh, the simple truth, but the significant truth that's being communicated here. There are several emphases in the book of Proverbs that are very significant for us to grasp. The first is this, that the way of wisdom is to bring you shalom in the Hebrew, is to bring you peace. Notice what pride brings you in this passage. Pride does not bring you peace, but it brings you what? Destruction. It brings you chaos. The very opposite of what wisdom and faithfulness with God offers you is what pride offers you, which is destruction. Also take a look at what pride offers you in contrast to wisdom. In wisdom, we see that wisdom is the right way. It's the good way. It's the good path that we choose in faithfulness and obedience to God. But notice what pride offers us is a fall. It's a faulty road. It's a cracked road that will bring not only chaos and destruction, but will bring brokenness and devastation. What's the point? It's a warning. Repent. Repent of your pride because if you don't, God will judge you for your pride. Why do we study history? You can answer it. So we don't repeat it. So we're not doomed to repeat it. Well, there's a story that's a true story about a Babylonian king by the name of King Nebuchadnezzar. And we read about it in Daniel chapter 4. Daniel uh, tells us in his book that King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. He has a dream about this big, mighty tree that grows up and is beautiful. And it's huge and it's humongous. And many people and many animals come below it and they rest in its shade and they rest in its fruit and its deliciousness. But in the dream, the, the big tree is cut down. And Nebuchadnezzar explains this dream to Daniel, and, he, and, and Nebuchadnezzar begs Daniel to interpret the dream for him. And Daniel says, King, I don't know that you want to know what this dream means. And the king says, Oh, yes, I do. Well, Daniel says, Well, here's the deal. O king, Nebuchadnezzar, you are the big tree. You've been mighty, you've been powerful, but here's the deal. God's going to chop you down. He's going to take your kingdom from you unless you repent. What was the warning? The warning was the warning of pride to King Nebuchadnezzar. Repent because God's going to judge you for your pride. Here's how King Nebuchadnezzar responds in Daniel chapter 4. This is what he says. Is not this great Babylon which I have built by my power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? 
How did he respond? He doubled down on pride. And here's what happens next. While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. Uh-oh. It didn't say that, but here's what it says. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. And immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. As so we read from history that indeed King Nebuchadnezzar lost his mind and he crawled around on the grass and ate grass like the beasts of the field. What happened? Nebuchadnezzar f- refused to repent of his pride. He doubled down on his pride and God judged him. What's the message to you and me? Don't double down. Don't double down on your pride today, but repent. Scriptures say here, there's a clear gospel implication in Proverbs 29, that the one who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. Repent. Bow before God's majesty. Bow before God's holiness this day and every day. Ask him and beg you to shave the pride off of your heart. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, is what it says at the beginning of Proverbs. The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of wisdom, that you know that he's holy and you're not. You know that he's sovereign, he's all-powerful, he's in control, you're not. You know that he's got all the answers, you're not the answer. That the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Or as Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me brothers and sisters in Christ here's the reality the longer you walk with Jesus the more humble you should become because the closer you get to Jesus the more sinful you realize that you are and the more you become aware of your daily dependence upon him that on your best day you're a sinner saved by grace just like you are on your worst day So remember, pride is like a beard. It just keeps growing. And what's the solution to a growing beard? You shave it. That is to be your prayer and my prayer every single day. God, shave the pride in my life. Let's pray. God, you are spirit whose being, whose wisdom, whose power whose holiness, whose justice, whose goodness, and whose truth is infinite, eternal, 
and unchangeable. Father God, please forgive me for ever thinking that history is about me. Forgive me, Father, for ever thinking that I'm the main character on the big screen of life. Rather, Father, it's all about you. And like a stagehand in a play production, may we be dressed in invisibility so that all the attention and all the honor and all the glory will be drawn to you in our lives. Please, each day, help me to deny myself, to take up your cross and to follow you. And as the stubble of stubbornness and selfishness begins to grow again in my life and my heart, May your Holy Spirit be the razor blade that shaves the beard of pride in my life. It's through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen.